I'm Laura Giles, your host of Modern Animism Radio. Have you noticed social distancing is impacting the way we relate to each other? Do you see changes? Are you responding differently? Animism is about living in connection with everything else, so um, I think that's hugely relevant right now. And I'd like to use viewer questions and what life is presenting for topics, so um, if it's popping up for you too, stay tuned. So Sherry Calvert is with me today, and we're going to look at how um, social distancing impacts sovereignty, connection, and oneness. But first, let's acknowledge the elements. And I want to say that as I do this, uh, my relationship with them changes and deepens. So I would suggest that you do it too. It really helps to connect with the world around me. Acknowledge the element of earth, and thank you for all the things we see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. They bring delight, life, and pain to help us experience our lives as humans. I acknowledge and give gratitude to air that blows away our sorrows, sends our prayers to the loved ones on the other side, and helps us to hear their whispers. I acknowledge the element of fire and give gratitude for our warmth, enthusiasm, and passion for living. Even the fire that destroys can, and burns can be a force for purification, so I send gratitude for that. I acknowledge and give gratitude for water for bringing what is unconscious out into the world so that we can accept and transform it and bring us to a place of wholeness. I acknowledge our ancestors and thank you for the blessings that are seen and unseen. I want to acknowledge those ancestors who were subject to sickness like the corona for which they had no immunity. And I hope that as um, any unresolved pain that they carry, anything that can be resolved in us today, uh, that healing goes to them so that we can all have a final healing of those times. And thank you to everyone who's tuning in today. Thank you for your support, your time, and attention. I appreciate those who share our content on social media and help us spread the word of modern animism. Thanks to those who send us questions and engage in conversations. We've got so many new people out there, like every day, um, on our social media platforms. And if you aren't there yet, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks to everybody who donates. We have a new way to donate through buymeacoffee.com. So we're at buymeacoffee.com backslash pan society, and we're completely supporter-funded, uh, so every single dollar helps. So Sherry, you and I have had conversations about this before, but what kind of changes are you seeing to do the social distancing? Anything uh, popping out? Oh, loads of stuff. Um, <laughs> I know uh, communication has just been bizarre, and because I know we're all in a new territory right now with, social distancing and shelter in place and you know everybody whatever state you're in is um at a different level of that and it means something different but um mm-hmm. i think a lot of it is uh, like right now we don't know how to communicate with each other because we've been so far apart for so long that um so I, i'm in alabama and we started opening up on may 1st so you know um not everything's open up completely like restaurants have a certain capacity. I think they're at like 50%. They're allowed to have 50% of the, how many, you know, um, occupancy. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And um, I think they just now started rolling out where salons are open. But once again, mm-hmm. everybody's at a different level of um, how they feel about masks, wearing masks, how close to be near, you know, to people. So um, the way we – we interact with each other out in public is very strange now, especially when, yeah. you know, we all used to be, I mean, I'm in the South. Everybody sits and chit chats and whatever for a long time. And now we don't even have that. It's like, we're so wary of each other that um, it's a little mm-hmm. unnerving. So, and then it 
It is. It is so much because when I see people, I want to say, hi, how are you doing? Or maybe give a hug, and you can't. Like, uh, yeah. because I don't know where everybody's at in, in their um, pandemic journey. Yeah, exactly. And you have to respect yeah. that. You have to respect everybody's place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the whole sovereignty connection and oneness is so like in your face right now because of that, because you, you know, you might have your ways of thinking about stuff, but you can't just do whatever you want because there's other people who are in this with you and you could be totally violating somebody else. I mean, you have to have more communication about that and have to kind of step back and observe and pay more attention. And I think it's good in a way for those of us who are doing that because it makes us more self-aware, but in another way, it's like so alienating. Mm-hmm. You know, that you have to be that cautious. Yeah, I find myself, it's funny, um, when you're thinking about consent and stuff, like this has brought it to a whole other level. Because, mm-hmm. um, so when this first started, like, um, amazingly, our uh, our area has started a, and I'm sure this has happened everywhere else too, um, like a local Facebook group for bartering and trading, um, especially because supplies got, um, were limited in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of communicating with each other, we were doing porch, like no contact porch drop-offs and pickups. And so um, while it did abide by the rules and stuff, it, for me it, it made it harder because then I could see people picking things up off my porch and I'm talking through them through the, you know, the window. <laughs> <laughs> and because you're, you're craving, t- like, communication and contact with people yeah. even though you can't have yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, my office is opening up on Monday, and um, I I didn't anticipate that people would want to come, but I have some services I can only do face-to-face, and I thought it was just going to be those people who came in, and I'm surprised. It's like 80% of people are wanting the face-to-face. Now, I don't – yeah, I know. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And I, I, it's not a high-traffic area, so there's not a lot of um, risk involved. I only see one person at a time. Um, but still, I have a lot of clients who are immunocompromised. Um, and I thought they would want to be more cautious and be like, oh, I'm just going to sit this one out. But actually, they're the ones that wanted it even more. And I think it's because of that craving, the human interaction. And it's that energy vibration, you know, I got to be in your energy bubble because I've been doing virtual, so it's not like we have lost touch, but it's just so, I don't know how much virtual stuff you've been doing, but it's just so different. It's Mm -hmm. it's, kind of touch, but it's like low touch, like real low touch. Yeah. Or fake touch or something. I don't know. Artificial intelligence. It, It just feels so different. It absolutely does. Um, I, I've done a few virtual things, but I, yeah, I prefer being face-to-face. There's something about seeing someone, smelling them, you know, being within a certain distance of them, that, that energy. You have to, you know, you have to share energy. And yeah, we do. It's, we do. It's been a strange experience. Like I had, um, so as we're opening up, I actually had a dentist appointment last week. And they gave me the rundown of the protocol of, because um, I'm sure you're doing the same thing with your office of what you're, you know, you're supposed to do per um, the CDC guidelines and stuff. And so they gave me the rundown of what they were supposed to do. And <laughs> it was weird because they're like, oh, we'll pull up in the driveway, then give us a call, somebody will come out and escort you. And I was right. like, um, okay. I mean, there was just all kinds of things. And then when I called, they're like, oh, we'll just 
just come on in. And I was like, okay, not a problem. And then I had to ask. I was like, wait, are you, do I have to wear a mask when I go in? Are you guys want to? Because yeah, some people require it. Some places require them, and some don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when I went into the um, the lobby and I checked in, I sat down. So they had the seats marked so you could be far enough away from people. Um, there was two other people in this waiting room, and everybody was just chatting up a storm. Like, it was crazy. Wow. It's quiet in there. And that's because, you know, we haven't seen each other. And even the people behind the desk, um, the administrative people, were chit-chatting with the, the, the clients that were in there, like, because we just have not seen people. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I um, We opened up Friday, and I don't know what it's like out there. I haven't seen anybody. Um so I can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I heard that it was a madhouse, though. <laughs> well, so some places, um, I live in a state that's very, um, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, like, put everybody in the same group, but there's a lot of me, my rights, my kind of thing here, like the mentality and so, I mean, I do worry because I, I remember when, like, on the first day that we opened up, I think it was a Saturday, um, I just happened to be driving through uh, the parking lot because I was coming out of Barnes & Noble's, and they had their, um, uh, not Barnes & Noble, Books Million, and they had, you know, their little protocol. But for some reason, book, there's nobody ever in Books Million here. So as I was driving out of the parking lot, I passed Target, and it's exploded. There's, like, so many people out there. <laughs> and, like, the parking lot was full. You couldn't drive through the – like, before, you know, like a week before, there was no traffic out there. Nobody – you know, you could just drive right through, not wow. stop, you know. And then this – it was just packed. Like, I'd never seen so many – it was it was kind of amazing, but then I was like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't – you know, yeah. and I was like, I'm not going to Target right now. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's kind of nice that we're getting there. But also, I've had, like, the opposite experience, too, where um, my sister and I were at a farm stand um, last weekend, I think, and she's immunocompromised. So, um, But she hasn't been too fearful of everything going on. She she likes going outside and seeing people and stuff, and, and we do do protocol for her. But this farm stand had it marked out where you know the like the stores too where this is six feet distance travel mm-hmm. in this direction only so i mean it was mm-hmm. very well laid out and so we're waiting in line to check out and we were where we were supposed to be but the gentleman in front of us finished paying and he turned around and he like did this wild gesture like parting the seas at us like and it was aggressive like we were in his way <laughs> And I was like, and I was taken aback. I was like, well, no, the exit's that way. Like, there was a big sign. It was clearly marked, you need to go that way. So we weren't in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he was just very upset. And he wasn't verbalizing anything. He was just doing this gesture. And then I was like, all right, calm down. I was like, hang on. Because my sister um, is recovering uh, from a medical thing. So it takes her a little bit to move. I was like, let me get her moved down the way. I will back up, and you come. And then he was just so adamant. He's like, look, you're not supposed to be this close to me. And I was like, calm down. It's okay. And then he just shoves his arm out in front of him and mm-hmm. puts his stuff under his arm like he's running the football down the field and then just charges out. Yeah. And I was just like, okay. And and I get it. He's on the fearful side of everything. Yeah, for sure. But the communication aspect of it, I was just like, we're still people. We're still, we're navigating this together. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Like, and and it's crazy that 
Um, and, you know, but also I, it's a stranger. I don't know if that's his natural state or, sure. or, or if it is. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be mindful of everybody's in a different place here. And, yeah. but still, yeah, when that starts to, I was definitely on the fearful side too because, I mean, it's brand new. We don't have experience with this. And I was like, shut it all down, you know, get away from me. And, and then I was like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> okay. You know, you still do have to test. Remember that we're humans and we're part of nature and, you know, the whole big picture. And no matter what, yeah, you do have to take care of yourself, but you can still be a person with courtesy and, you know, things like that. And I think for some people it's just easier. It's natural. It's a habit. Um, I was coming out of the store and this guy was coming in and you could see that he was going to try to open the door open for me, but, you know, Two people can't pass at the same time. It's not six feet. And so he backs up. And I, and I, I was, one, grateful for, for the courtesy um, of holding the door and of backing up. But then I, I was also really struck, at, you know, is this what we've come to? We can't even be nice to each other. We can't even, you know, those little human kindnesses, I think, make such a difference. And when we have to be so separate that we can't even enter each other's bubble to do them, it, I think it hurts. It just, it just takes something away from life. Oh, I agree. I mean, because you can't physically help someone now. Like if if you if they drop their groceries or something, and you like the natural instinct is to run over and help them pick things up. Yeah. But you can't you can't do that now. You have to think about it. You'd be like, um, is it okay if I come in your space and yeah. help you pick? Like, or you just like you know, do you just walk off? Like it's it's because you don't know where they're at. Like you don't know if they'll accept your help if they're okay with it, or if they'll get upset that you are so close or, you know, the protocol, there is no protocol for any of this. Yeah. And you just got to do the best you can. And like my mom is in an assisted uh, living facility and we haven't seen her because, you know, she's mm-hmm. high risk. And, you know, you don't want to be responsible for hurting somebody, even if it's not her, or anybody in there. And so um, my sister went by uh, and was talking to her out, out through the window and she sent a picture of my mom through the window, and it was just the saddest thing ever. I know. That hurts oh, so bad. I know. <laughs> it's like, you know, like he's in jail or something. <laughs> it was so sad. I just wait for this to be over. <laughs> no, I agree. Because I, I think I, as human beings, we all desperately need it. And, I mean, I do wonder how, like I was talking to, well, as we do everybody now, like how long do you think this is going to last? What do you think is going to be different? Do you think, you know, what is our protocol going, like are the grocery stores going to be like this forever where you're, you know, one way, one direction up and down the aisles or like, I don't know, like our lives have taken a huge change. Like it's definitely – something different do we go back to the way things were or, or is this our new norm well i'm afraid that it's either going to be one extreme or the other where we get even further apart which scares me because we're already the west is already a low touch culture which and mm-hmm. I, I think that contributes to things like rape and me too and dysfunction in all, all its forms because people need comfort and people need you know, touch, it's, it's, it's vital to human development. Um, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I had this conversation last week um, with somebody. But um, there was this guy, a famous um, 
psychologist, behavioral psychologist, who did this experiment on baby monkeys, and he um, wanted to see, you know, like what was more important. Is it is it the nurturing aspect, or is it just, you know, we're just instinctive animals, we need food, and, and that's it. So he put these baby monkeys in with wire moms. So they're like little moms made out of wire. They weren't real, you know, flesh and blood animals. And one of them had uh, a bottle with milk in it so they can go feed from the mom. And one of them had cloth wrapped around it. And that monkeys would go to the wire one uh, to eat, but then they would, like, cling to the soft, cuddly one because we just need that cuddling. We need that touch. We need that softness in our lives. And he also found out um, this is for people. Um, and this is, I, I can't even believe that this was like in the 80s that this became a thing. But, you know, how do you do experiments on on people with this? But they had, um, in the 80s, there was this huge discovery, or I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, orphanages in Romania, I think it was, or Russia, somewhere over there, that they had all of these kids who just didn't get touched. And they were getting given bottles. You know, so they had food, but then they were just really dysfunctional. They didn't develop, their brains didn't develop normally, and so they didn't know how to have healthy emotional connections. And they would, their nervous systems were, like, really um, sensitive to stimulus. And so that they, they were just like these kids who were just feral, really. And a lot of them died because they didn't get touched. So it, it really, really is a life and death thing. And it's not just for babies. I mean, you can survive. If you get enough touch when you're little, you're not going to die from a lack of touch at five or at 25. But it still affects our brains. And we need to be in proximity with other people. You know, we got this six-foot bubble around us that your heart energy extends that far. Your brain energy only extends out a couple of inches. So if your heart doesn't get that stimulation from other people and it just doesn't have that interaction with other people, then, you know, you don't you don't function normally. And I don't know if people know that. So I don't know. For me, it's like, okay, hug a tree. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> You've got to get it from somewhere. <laughs> Go lay on the earth do something. <laughs> Let the sun kiss you. <laughs> but it's really, really important. And I'm just, I, I hope that it doesn't become like a, I'm afraid that it's either going to be like we're so scared to touch each other or we're just going to be hedonists. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to buck wild. <laughs> I mean, I could see that. I could honestly see that. I Because mean, I feel it in myself. Like, I feel how starved I am to communicate with people and just be in, in space with you, like in, in a shared yeah. space. Like, we probably don't even have to talk, but just sitting next to somebody on a park bench would be so nice. Like, yeah. For real, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The strains that we got here. Um, so I hope people do realize uh, how important it is. Like I do see small, or maybe I won't say small, but like certain businesses where um, nail salons, hair salons, like how important they are for that relationship and that connection with people. Yeah. Um, because it's touch. It is mm-hmm. one of those, like mm-hmm. I had a friend who, um, she lived a high-stress life. She was very workaholic. Like, that was her, her, you know, and she enjoyed that. And she always told me how important getting her nails done was um, because that was her human contact for the week. And um, she wasn't going to give that up. That was going to be, like, the last thing she ever gave up. And I was like, I get it. Like, I really do. It's, you know, 
it may not seem like a lot, but it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, touch is just, it's, it's almost a luxury in our society. And it's, I don't know. I mean, I grew up in a high-touch family and with a lot of siblings, so we were just always pig-piling all over each other, you know? I mean, just watching a movie, you got your foot up in somebody's face or whatever. I mean, and we're still like that with all the cousins and babies, and everybody's just smuggled to death. And I I can't even imagine what it would be like to grow up without that or to have it as an adult, you know, not have somebody to – and I don't mean, like, necessarily – you know, I think a lot of times we think of touch as as sexual, and I don't don't mean it like that at all, just – you know, somebody pat you on the back or just rub your arm or something. You know, we're we're patters in my family, and it is kind of funny <laughs> when you see the little ones doing it. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know yeah, it's I, pressure. <laughs> I, but it is. It, I mean, and you're right. It doesn't. Ha- it's not sexual. It doesn't have to be sexual. Like, no, I, I no, think- not at all. Um, and this is broad stroking it, but yeah, the Western society, like it, it does make it seem that like all touch has to be sensual or sexual or, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so there's no difference between it. And I think, um, it does inhibit us on how we communicate because that body language is communication. Touching is communication. Mm-hmm. When, yeah. when you pat someone saying, you know, the congratulatory pat or the, I'm sorry, you know, the sympathy back rub or the, you know, it's all communication, even in the yeah. smallest little bit of touch and the transfer of energy, like that emotion that you're giving that yeah. person so that it's yeah. nonverbal. Like you're just like, hey, it's okay, or yeah. you know, like these silent energy nudges that you're giving mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Or even if you do nothing and you just sit there and witness as they're having their moment, you know, that's precious too. Because of that energy exchange, it's it's like holding somebody's energy like you would hold them if they were crying or something, and we can't even do that because we can't see each other. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. It is. It is such a different world. I, I wonder the the long term impact too, where um, because this is something the world is going through again, and I um, it's. Because um, I think about like 9/11 when you know um, I was just barely an adult when that happened, um, but I remember because it was what almost 20 years ago. And uh, kids today, like kids that are graduating today, um, don't like it, it was. It is not on their radar. They don't have experience mm-hmm. with it. Like, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard explaining to them what happened then. And now they have this global experience. And I wonder how it's going to impact and shape um, their lives, and how it, you know, are, are they um, are they going to be weary? Are they going to make the same choices? Are they going to? Uh, I mean, because it's totally changed everything for them. Like they didn't have, get to have graduations, they didn't get to have the going away party, that celebratory thing that they do together. Like you know, they didn't have those milestones in mass together because of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need shared experiences. And if you can't be with anybody, you can't have shared experiences. I mean, that's what culture is based upon is shared experience, shared language, shared spirituality, shared traditions. How do you do that if you can't share your life? It's a culture destroyer. Mm-hmm. And I hope, I hope, I hope that this doesn't mean 
that we become less – I don't think we can afford to be less connected than we already are. I mean, the Internet was a culture destroyer. I mean, in some ways. In, in other ways, it was it's a way to bring people together in a way that never could have existed before. But, you know, all the screen time, I think, makes us virtual connections versus real connections. Mm-hmm. Like, I always think um... – so I will be honest, <laughs> we had a few, and when I say few, we had three people over at our house yesterday because we're, we're still all kind of balancing, you know, our comfort levels and all of this. Um, so we just had like a small thing, and it was very awkward. Um, uh-huh. we, we had that, that you know, that initial, um, you know, when you walked through the door, so we, we did keep – Spacing important, you know, so we we did keep that. We weren't six feet apart, but we were, we, we didn't hug, we didn't shake hands, we didn't, mm-hmm. the usual yeah. when somebody walks through your front door kind of thing, it was um, awkward because you know this person, this person's your friend and they're in your life and you have shared things, but you can't connect. But then also, yeah. once we got over that and we're sitting um, around the table uh, then we start chattering like monkeys because we feel like we haven't seen each other in a billion years because <laughs> our only yeah. contact has been either through text messages or phone calls and the occasional Skype or Zoom thing. <laughs> so, um, it's it's awful. Bizarre. It, it is. It is. Uh, well, and I think the other thing is, so, so the way that you kind of um, introduced that story it was kind of like you were expecting judgment, like, okay, we did this, we did it. And I think everybody's doing that. You know, you don't dare say, I was with somebody, because it's like, how dare you? You're violating, you know? There's a lot of pressure not to. Right. It's weird. So going on that, too, like, yeah, you're right. It was a judgment thing, because I don't want anybody to say, oh, you're spreading the virus, or you're going to get people killed, or anything. That's that jumping point, right, of – it, this is the extreme, but also there's yeah. the, um, it feels like we're sneaking behind people's backs, like we're yeah. doing black market connections and black market parties. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, so if it's making meeting with your friends and stuff a no-no, like a, a no. negative thing, like I don't like that feeling. I really don't. <laughs> no, no. I hope it it makes us go the other way and appreciate human connections so much that we're not willing to be without them. But the other thing with that is, so, you know, I'm a therapist. I see people all day long who don't know how to connect. So that's my reality. That's my lens. Um, And maybe it's not the problem that I think it is because I have a distorted lens. But there's a lot of people who don't know how to connect. Like, they have these worlds inside their head, and it, if you don't share those worlds, other people don't know what they are. So you can't assume. You know, you can't assume that you have consent for anything. You can't assume that you share the same views or the same politics or the same anything. And and I think we have to learn how a lot of us need to learn how to connect again. I think that's how Me Too happens. You know, you think, oh, well, it's a yes, and it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. And we don't feel like we have permission to speak up or we don't feel like we, we're allowed to ask for what we want. Or there's all kinds of things, you know, like, oh, I'm going to violate somebody's space or, no, I have a right to be here. 
it, it's, I mean, I think that, that, that whole sovereignty connection and oneness thing, and this came up this morning, not really about social distancing, but about violating boundaries. We were talking about if you're walking along, uh, let's say you're on a path, a public path that, that's next to somebody's property, and there's berries or something on the other side of the fence. Can you just go over there and get them? A lot of people do. <laughs> and we're talking about, yeah, a lot of people do. And and to me, you know, that's a boundary. You just can't do that. You got to honor the boundaries. You know, you might think, right. well, nature's providing this and it's free. Well, no. There's there's a a free. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the social distancing thing. I think there are boundaries and you, you have to honor people's boundaries. And, and you can't just assume that you know what they are. I mean, if there's a fence, then there's a clear boundary. And if somebody's wearing a mask, that sends a message too. Don't get too close to me. Um, right. But it's it just just makes it really really awkward. Especially if they're wearing a mask, and you can't see their face because then you miss out on a lot of visual cues. You know, I I do think that it's true that you can see a lot in people's eyes, but not everything. Mm-hmm. Not everything. Well, also, some people are good at hiding their expressions, or they or they don't express what they're actually feeling, because True. they just they're not in a place. So even pre-corona, um, expressing what they're feeling and what their boundaries are, like they verbally they weren't into it, like they because they didn't know themselves, like it's you know the sovereignty of their personal. Um, uh, their personal space and what their personal boundaries are because they don't know what they're allowed to say no to or what they're allowed to say yes to mm-hmm. or what, you know, what's theirs to give permission about. Like, it's, it's for a lot of people, it's very, very confusing. Well, and I think we teach our kids that. When, when you're a little kid and somebody says, like your mom or your caretaker or your teacher or whatever says, you know, that you have to share you don't think you're allowed to say no. Or if that you fall down and you're crying and they say, oh, you're okay, you're like, what? You know, <laughs> I'm not allowed to not be okay. So I think you're right. I mean, there's so many ways that we're taught to shut up and don't have an opinion, don't, don't feel what we feel. And that's part of it too. You know, how do you know what your sovereignty and your boundaries are if you didn't didn't have permission to explore that. Mm-hmm. And I have clients in their 60s who don't know who they are, don't know what they want, because they never had the opportunity to have that choice. It's like, no, you want to be a doctor or a nurse. Be like, um, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my husband grew up in a in a family where it was, if you fell down and skinned your knee, it was rub some dirt in it and walk it off. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I I grew up in a family where we asked, you know, are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? Um, or even, you know, we were allowed to say no if we didn't want something or didn't like something. And um, I, I took it for granted as a kid. I didn't realize things were different until I saw – so I do not have kids of my own, um, so this is, you know, coming from that viewpoint. But watching um, other people with their kids and seeing how um, 
saying, you know, that sharing thing, like, oh, share your, you know, you need to share your toys, but but why? Why do it's theirs? They brought it. Why? Why must they're still playing with it? So why do they need to give it up at that moment? It's not, you know, I, I don't understand that mentality. And then also, um, uh, the overbearingness of not letting kids talk. Like, yeah. you, you go play over there, you don't bother the adults, you don't do, you know, it's it's weird to me. Yeah. I mean, especially well, I grew up in a multi- where they're just always there, like kids are there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ours was the same. And I've been in lots of other family situations where if the adults are there, the kids are there. It's like you're part of the family, and it's not like there's a separate, this is adult life and this is kids' life. And I, which I love because I think that's how kids learn how to be adults is by being around them, <laughs> you know. And, but I, I, I'm multicultural and I have um, different aspects of my family. So in my, with my parents, we, we were like you. We, you know, the kids were allowed to have an opinion. You were seen and heard. You were allowed to say no. You know, you could discuss and debate things and it wasn't taken personally. It's just like, what do you think? You know, and you weren't made to feel like a moron if you didn't agree. <laughs> but then I had other other people in my family where, you know, you, you're a kid, you need to go over here and don't talk to me and don't don't talk to me like that. And so I, I got both sides of it, but fortunately my, my parents um, allowed me to be an individual. And I, I thank God for that because, honestly, I haven't had a whole lot of problems that other people have because of that. Right. I, I can agree. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I had a great self esteem. You know, I knew my body. I knew my limits. But also, it it is a cultural thing. Like, if we hung around um, other Korean families, all the kids played together. All you know, and we also had the trust in the adults because it was the same way. It was definitely community. A village raises the child. Like. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If my mom didn't see me do something bad, but um, her friend did, we'd always call the the female friend emo. It was aunt. It meant aunt. Um, if emo saw me do it, emo got me. <laughs> so yep. uh, you know, you, you're getting disciplined by all of them. And then seeing the opposite of that, like I remember um, having an American friend over at my house one time, and I can't remember what she did, but my mo- oh, she was doing makeup. She was doing her makeup in the bathroom, and we're like 13, 14, and my mom smacked her on the butt and said she was too young. I said, Mom, you can't, you can't touch her. Like, <laughs> you're going to go to jail. <laughs> that happened to my mom, too. I was like, whoa, crossing the line, Mom. <laughs> <Can't do that." laughs> yeah, there's different rules for different, you know. I mean, sure. I, I love that because I think that, so, like, the neighborhood moms, it was safe to go outside and play because somebody was always watching you. And somebody was going to check you if you were doing something. Or if somebody was messing with you, they were going to put a stop to it. And it just made it a safer place to be. And when I see kids now who can't even go outside because there's, you know, all you got is your mom and your helpless little brother who's the same age as you are, and nobody's looking out for you. There's just no community and there's no, you know, it's, I think, I don't know, I feel sad. I'm glad I'm not a little kid growing up in that. Right. Well, they don't know what they're missing, but, yeah, no, for sure, because you did have neighborhood, like, you know, everybody's mom was yelling for their kids, but also, uh, you know, it wasn't uncommon. Like, I remember being in the neighborhood, and you would go inside your friend's house and eat the cookies off the counter, like, 
Or yeah. if your mom wasn't home, somebody's mom was home. And so yeah. you had mm-hmm. somewhere to go or someone to talk to right. all the time. Like it was definitely – so besides the safety issue, there was definitely community, but there was love. Like even though they weren't your kids yeah. or your mom's uh, or even your dad's too, they weren't your parents, you felt love in everybody's house. Yeah, yeah. And these, so you see this a lot now with the corona thing, and they're talking about, I, I see it because I'm a therapist, maybe other people don't see it, but how the people who are dealing with domestic violence or child abuse are, they don't have anywhere to go because they're isolated. And the, the calls to 911 and all of that are just really, really ramping up. And I know that when I was a kid, you know, I had friends who, I wouldn't say they were in the like abused, but, you know, maybe mom was going through a rough time or something and didn't have as much time for them, and they would just be at our house all day long. And mm-hmm. it, I think it kept them from becoming victims of abuse because they had somewhere else to be. Right. Or you know, they had they food. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, somebody's going to feed you <laughs> or, you know, you've got a place to sleep or hang out for the day or something if if you couldn't do it at home. Right. And I think um, even then, so, because I remember if we were going to stay at somebody's house or we were at somebody's house, you know, their mom would be like, oh, do your parents know you're here? And you'd be like, yeah, right. they do, mm-hmm. or maybe they don't. But the parents were also connected. Like, they all knew yeah. each other. And yeah. I don't get that same feeling now. Like, I think you can live in a neighborhood and not know any of your your neighbors. Yeah. Yep, I think that's true. I think hope. I mean, I don't have any little kids to worry about, but I hope for everybody, for for the neighborhood, for the kids, for the adults, that, that this helps to promote a sense of belonging and, and wanting closeness with us and and not just proximity like hey let's have a party and we're just gonna you know be here and be superficial with each other as we're drinking i don't mean that i mean like real connection mm-hmm. like i care about you connection right but i see the other kind i see the party people which nothing wrong with that you know get your party on but if if like, one of the things that I hear in, in my office a lot, uh, so first of all, most of my clients don't have any friends at all, not one. Um, but the ones that do, even if you've had friends for, like, a long time, it's like, you know, well, why don't you tell your friend this? I, I mean, I appreciate that I'm here for you, and, I, you know, that's cool. Tell me. But, you know, I'm not in your life. I, I'm, I'm like a professional in your life, but I'm not your friend. You know, you have friends. Why aren't you telling your friends this? And and usually the thing that they say is because they're going to judge me. Hmm. So even people who have, you know, I don't want to be judged. I just want it to be, you know, can you just witness for me? Can you just hear me? Can you just be beside me and share this space with me, my experience with me? And I get that. Nobody wants to be judged, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that gets in the way of connection. So I don't know. I'm just kind of venting and just talking about how it could be different. I, I would love to see it be different because I would love, honestly, to not have a job. I would love to have nobody need me. And that is my goal every day that I go to work. I hope that tomorrow I don't have need, nobody needs me. I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. I, um, 
you know, I wonder if that goes back to learn like learning how to communicate with each other, but also like if you I think that's a reflection, too, on yourself. Like, if you're worried about somebody judging, um, how critical are you of other people? But, uh, yeah. Well, but it could be that you know your friends, too. If they're sitting there, blah, 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 gossiping, and, you know, oh, <laughs> maybe they're yeah. real judging. <laughs> well, you know, I, I hope, like, <laughs> maybe some of that tones down after all this is over. Like, we just cherish each other way more we respect each other way more we love each other way more that we're just um you know most of that just goes away <laughs> we don't have to worry about I that so. i hope so but in okay. you know in defense of people who are judgy i remember when i was young i was kind of judgy not i wasn't not kind of judgy i was judgy <laughs> <laughs> Because I just had really high st- about some things about performance, not like about you know if you're having a bad day, I wouldn't judge that. But if it was like performance stuff, it's like, well, why can't you just get your stuff together? Why can't you just do this? Why can't you just do that? And I think it it was something that I had to learn. Empathy was something that I had to learn later because I just didn't. So, sometimes you just think you know this is just common sense, and everything's not common sense. If you didn't learn it, you didn't learn it. Right. And if you, you know, sometimes I, I, I do this a lot because I don't assume that I know where people are coming from. But I'm, I like try to crawl inside your head and see, you know, to join you there because I don't, I don't have anxiety, but lots mm-hmm. of people do have anxiety, and so they have real different experiences than I do. I don't have a lot of fear. Lots of people have a lot of fear, and. You know, if I can see it through the their lens, then that will help me to connect. And actually, doing that has helped make me less judgy because I it's like okay, so you're not having my experience. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? I had um, so it, it seems kind of strange to me, maybe, um, or I just didn't notice it before. But I would say over the last couple of years, I've Got, I have developed friendships with um, more people that have had that have anxiety. Um, I don't know if it's just maybe people didn't talk about it as much, or um, but I'm I'm noticing it now. So I, I'm blessed and fortunate to know them now and have them talk about it because I don't think it was anything that I ever experienced either. Um, but now that I'm hearing it and seeing how, like, especially the really high anxiety ones, and then I have to see their mental process, um, you know, for small, like, tasks that I wouldn't think were that big of a deal. Like, if you're invited to a party, it's a yes or no, right? You're going to go or you're not. Right, right. But then to see it from their point of view where it just turns into this mental gymnastics of they want to go, but they're afraid to say yes because they don't know who's, like, there's so much, like, they don't know who's going to like them. Or if they're yeah. going to wear the wrong thing, or if they're going to be late, yeah. or so it just turns into this whole mental process for them. And I'm like, oh wow, like, and then I'm like, but it starts to get a little infectious because then I'm like, oh, I don't want to put that pressure on somebody like that. So, um, you know, it, it, but it does, you know, as the years have gone by and I've had more experience with that, I'm like, oh, okay, so now I understand. Right. Um, you're not entirely blowing me off if you're not coming or whatever. Like I, I, I'm more empathetic about situations like that, and I'm more aware of it so that 
when I pose questions or do things, I, you know, I sort of try to anticipate. I can't do it for everybody or everything. Like that's it's you know it's because everybody's different. But I try to anticipate how I'm going to make someone feel before I pose a question or a situation. Yeah, and I think sharing your experience creates a better connection. I mean, I love talking circles because of that, because people come up with some um, things that just never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. And it it's like, oh, you know, and then when you see their reasoning for it, it's like, oh, okay. So maybe maybe you convert me, maybe you don't convert me, but I've grown in my understanding and my empathy and my life experience. And I just think, you know, people just kind of, clam up and just get smaller and shrink in, which makes the distance even bigger instead of just saying, hey, this is what's going on with me, which I think shrinks the distance and and maybe could even help the anxiety to just not even be there. Because if it's not a thing, you know, then it's not a thing. Let's just chill. (laughs) (laughs) I think having a relationship with you, um, and this is for me, having a relationship with you uh, has helped with because I think people don't practice communication. Like, um, uh, you and I don't see eye to eye on everything, and we don't agree on everything, or we don't even perceive situations at the same time. Like, there's some things that happen right in front of us, and then you have one emotion, and I have a different emotion, and then we're talking about it, and it's like, oh, I saw that totally yeah. different. Like, right. <laughs> but it's 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 having that strength or just that awareness to be able to say, hey, um, what did you see or what did you feel? And then you're like, you know, you give yours and then you ask me mine. It's like, you know, so at least we had that communication. Like we, we're not afraid to ask or if we're unclear right. of what the other has said, you know, it's it's um, being sure enough in ourselves to say, hey, I don't know if I understood you correctly. Is this what you meant or did you mean something else? Like, yeah. And I think yeah. people are afraid to do that. Like they're afraid to ask for clarification. Like, you know, either from fear of, you know, not look uh, of looking dumb or uninterested yeah. or whatever, like whatever the the reason for not asking. But it's okay to always ask for care, you know, clarification. Yeah, I'm pretty confident, and I'll say pretty much anything. But there's times when I'm scared too. But the the thing, you know, because oh god, this is gonna sound so stupid or <laughs> whatever is going in your head. But I think the payoff of just getting it behind you and having it resolved is just worth it because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't tend to be anxious, but, you know, there have been times in my life one month I've had that thought ruminating in my head over and over and over, and it's just, that's just so painful. That's like, stop it, you know, and the way that I can stop this is just get a little information. All my brain wants to know is what is the answer, okay? You got it? Then please put me out of my misery and tell me what the answer is, one way or the other. So I'll, I'll put myself through that because, it's to me, it's just worth it. Yeah. I mean, for me, it boils down to um, neither situation is going to kill me. Like, sure. I, yeah. you know, if, if if I am unsure of what's going on and I need to ask, asking you is not the worst case scenario of the situation. Right. <laughs> if I need information, asking is not going to kill me. You know, right. I mean, there have been times where I thought I understood what was going on. I gave an impassioned response, and it turns out that I was not even on the same page. Like, it was not even talking <laughs> about the same thing. And, you know, yeah. I, I, did, I didn't die. <laughs> like, I did not right. physically right. die. It was funny, and I'll bounce back <laughs> on the next one. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even if, it, it, let's say the other person isn't that 
understanding and you know, well, now you know that too. <laughs> right. Right. That's that's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and that's a piece of information. So you know how to communicate with that person later. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, it, honestly, I think it's a blessing because you know, there's a lot of things in life that aren't fabulous. But to me, and I know that I'm a freak because of that whole Saturn, or not Saturn, my my Scorpio rising. But, you know, I, I don't have a lot of pain in my life. I just don't. And so when I'm in there and I'm feeling that, it, it makes me feel alive. It makes me feel connected. It makes me feel the other side of something. And it makes me feel more whole. Because if I only have half of it, and that's either the positive side, the negative side, the side I want, the side I don't want, that's not whole. And when you can see something from a whole perspective, so, you know, I can witness somebody grieving, and I can associate with that because I felt that, or whatever it is, I think that makes our connection better. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to go through it. I mean, it, everything ends. Everything ends. <laughs> I agree and it's not going to kill you (laughs) yeah so I'm looking forward to the end of Corona (laughs) me too me too and I hope I miss people I do and I never thought I'd say that I'm an introvert and I like my alone time but I miss my people (laughs) so um, I'd like to give gratitude to everybody for tuning in, um, telling others about our program, and sending us your support. These are the kind of conversations we want to have with you. And if you want to have them with us, you can just hop on and, you know, comment. Um, we rely on your emotional and financial support to exist and your comments. <laughs> so every like, share, and social media comment counts. So thanks for those. And if you'd like to donate yet, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com at Pan Society or backslash Pan Society. Um, check us out on Facebook. That's where our group's group is and where you can chat with us. We're on Instagram and Twitter, too. We don't really chat too much on those, but you can see us there. Um, and tell us what you love, what you want more of. Hope you have a good reintegration back into society. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Sherry. Thank you.